we're actually starting with Revelation 7 and the interconnection between the book of Revelations and other books in the Bible. So a lot of sealing, angels, Jesus. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Yep, the tribes. So the things that actually stand out to us are what we're highlighting now. So they were not, hmm, are you sure? Are you sure? The throne of God, awesome. What else here? Yep, yep. Like you see, like a lot of things about seal. A lot of things about seal, the Lamb of God. Yes, so, I mean, if we go through the books, we start to see a lot, a lot, a lot of things. The 24 elders, I don't know if anybody mentioned that. 24 elders was mentioned a number of times. Salvation was mentioned. The subject matter of salvation was mentioned. Um, white robes, actually, that was mentioned. White robes. Um, white robe was mentioned. Yes, thank you, Carla. White robe was mentioned. Um, standing in front of the throne. Exactly, Psalm twenty-three. Psalm twenty-three with the the lamb will be the shepherd. Yes, and even leading them beside still waters as well. Yes, still waters. Um, standing before the throne. And I want us to, I'm asking us to do this because we're probably seeing things now that we probably didn't notice before. So from everything that we've noted, sun shall not strike, exactly. The sun shall not strike them. Um, that translation is, yes, four corners, exactly, four winds of the earth, four corners of the earth, the four cardinal points, exactly, the four winds, the four winds, um, a lot of four going on, I don't, did anybody see the four living creatures, the four living creatures, the four living creatures, Yes, the land of the sea or the trees and so peace is still in the heart. Exactly. The four living creatures, a lot of force going on here. Um, so now as you're pulling out things from the scripture and you're looking at it, do you now see, are you, I would like to know what we're seeing now. I would like to know exactly now things are reminding you of things right the four living creatures is reminding you of ezekiel if you hear the name of jesus you know you go back to not even the new testament alone but you're going back to the old testament you hear the 12 tribes the 12 tribes takes you where it takes you to what the 12 tribe takes you to what jacob jacob yeah so if you hear the four winds where does it take you to the four winds, where does it take you to? It is obviously the Old Testament to me, Lane. Angels are sending, thank you, it brings back Jacob. The four winds, where does it take you to? It takes you to Ezekiel. It takes you to the book of Ezekiel. It takes you to the book of Exodus. Um, it also takes you to Leviticus because then um, 
Is it better now, Susan? Please let me know. You take it to Ezekiel, you take it to Exodus, take it to Leviticus, because when these the children of Israel, even the book of Psalms, Psalms talks about a, a lot of cardinal points mentioned in Psalms. Um, even in the book of Malachi, it talks a whole lot, Malachi 3, talks a whole lot about cardinal points as well. So you start to see all the books coming up, like, okay, this is really, you know, not just about the book of Revelation. Why this is happening is because the book of Revelation is a compilation of all the mysteries that have been hidden in the Torah, and they are just being unveiled, like this is what it means. So exactly, Isaiah, you start to see a lot of books you start to see a lot of books. In the book of Revelation, they make mention of the tree of life. If you have no idea of what the tree of life was about in the book of Genesis, you're going to be confused. You know, even the subject matter of paradise. So sometimes when we even do the study on paradise, the paradise will often lead us back to the Garden of Eden and knowing that, oh, that was not just a venue where Adam and Eve lived, but that's a reality. That's a, it's a spiritual dimension. So, you know, Psalms 23, we see there in verse 17 of chapter 7, it says, the lamb on the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of life-giving water. That is Psalms 23, where it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me besides um, still. So that verse was from Psalms 23. Um, also, when we're going through the book of Isaiah, you might not, I'm sorry, the book of Revelations, you notice the plagues. The plagues will definitely take you to the plagues in the in Egypt. The twelve, the plagues in Egypt, the ten plagues in Egypt, with the the children of Israel. You will also notice the mark, the mark of the beast. It will take you back to the mark of Cain. You know, if you're going through the book of Revelation, it's just a whole lot of things that have been built. And why the book is concealed in such a way? It's a revealed book, but it is also concealed for those people that don't have a foundation. So if you don't have a foundation on the Torah, if it's not something that you've chewed and you've become, you know, oftentimes when we're reading the book of Revelation, it's just like, oh, it just becomes a book. You know, it just becomes like, oh, I'm trying to get it. So um, Tekka, if God is leading you, if for anybody, not just Tekka, for any single person that God is leading to the apocalyptic books, God is not just leading you there to know about the prophecies or the end time. God is actually leading you to the word, to the living, to the living spring, because there's no way you will study the book of Ezekiel. In fact, it's quite interesting. I need to breathe. The book of Ezekiel begins with the same trajectory in Exodus chapter 12. Exodus 12, Ezekiel chapter 1, very similar with Moses going up the mountain and then the smokes and everything. And then you come to Ezekiel and then Ezekiel talks about the ascension, the smokes, you know, talks about the fire. Literally, it sounds a whole lot like the Pentecost. Um, that's Ezekiel chapter one. Um, so if we don't see that, you know, it might be very difficult for us to see the interconnection in scriptures. So what Revelation is and what this is about is, Revelation just helps us see that the Bible is just one book. It's just one story, one narrative. It's not isolated from anything. Um, but what is interesting is that there is a foundation that has been laid. So for example, when John was writing and when God was revealing what he was showing John, what was seen that we call the book of Revelation, it wasn't just all abstract things that God was saying to John. God actually, 
I mean, if anybody studies the book of John, the books of John, you will realize that John was not just somebody that picked up the Torah to read because it was just a story. First of all, John 1 starts with something very abstract. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and that word was God. If somebody starts a conversation that way, you're actually going to be mind blown. Like, what did this guy see? What did he understand that people did not know? You know, and if you go to the first, the three books of John, the, the three epistles of John, 1st John, 2nd John, 3rd John, basically saying the same thing, but his explanation of love, his explanation of Christ, you know, is beyond anything that anyone could imagine. So when John was writing the book of Revelation or when the Lord was revealing the book of Revelation to John, it was from a place of, okay, so for example, if I, there's a way I will connect or I will communicate with somebody that has an understanding of maybe electronics, you know, I can come to you and be using all these terminologies because I know you get it. But if I'm talking to somebody that does not understand it, I'll now have to start breaking it down, explaining to you, telling you, oh, this is what it means. You know, this is how, this is really what I'm trying to say. And so imagine Christ having a conversation with John. When he was having this conversation with John, revealing these things to John, he was actually communicating to John as one that understood, you know. And so John compiled this thing and he shared it to the church or we received it. And so every time anybody comes back to the book of Revelation, you can't just read the book of Revelation on its own. You have to take up a lot of references, a lot of books, a lot of, and by books, I mean the Torah, a lot of books. And sometimes even it's even beyond the Torah because there are some things he said, the prophets of Jezebel, um, like the prophets of Balaam to the seven churches. And if you're reading or you're studying about the seven churches, you have to go back to the epistles of Paul. Some churches were not even mentioned. So it's a whole lot of, you know, um, it's like literally that's what it is. It's is revelation, but it is concealed revelation. And then when you start to unearth it, right it now starts to bring a lot of light to your eyes um, and it's beyond the book of revelation it, it now starts to take you to other books and you're just like oh this is what ezekiel was saying this is what moses was trying to say this is what these people were saying and again it emphasizes that scriptures just points to one thing which is the statue of christ the 12 tribes anybody would actually ask Oh, what does the 12 tribes have to do? Why is this guy talking about the 12 tribes? Like, there is no explanation. For example, in chapter 7, he doesn't tell you why there is Manasseh as opposed to Dan, right? And so you're just seeing the names there, and you're just like, okay, he has 12 names, that's good, that's all right. But anybody that's familiar with the Torah, you know, as, as has a familiarity or a relationship with it that is active, will actually notice that, oh my God, Dan is not here. Manasseh is Joseph's son. Why is Manasseh um, here? Why is Ephraim not here? Knowing that Manasseh was the second son. Why is Ephraim not here? Why is Manasseh here? Why is Dan not here, you know? Why is Levi, okay, Levi is here. But then why is Manasseh not here? And so why is Manasseh here and Dan is not here and Ephraim is not here? Joseph is here. And so he started to ask these questions. And in the process of asking these questions, you will go back to Ezekiel. You will go back to Exodus. You will go back to Leviticus. Because this book that we call the book of Revelation is a summation of a very, is a summation of a cumbersome, you know, mystery that still boils down to one single truth. 
which is the formation of Christ. That's literally what the Bible is about. And that's why God will send you to other books when you're doing a study on the book of Revelations. So um, if you find yourself here or any of the apocalyptic books, just know that that is God actually pulling you to actually start taking your studies seriously. If you don't take it seriously, these things will actually just be very concealed, you know? Um, and it's in that place of submitting ourselves as students and most importantly as servants that we actually start to make sense of what the books are talking about. So I don't know if anybody has any thoughts on that, any questions or anything at all um, before we go on. Any thoughts, any questions or anything at all? I think I think that hello everyone. Sorry, yes. so I think that um, like from all you said, I think that it just takes like okay. I'm speaking for myself now. I think that it just takes like um, instead of the other books like where you read it and you know you're thinking that you're going to like get everything there or you just meditate it and then the answers will come. I think that. Um, like from all you said, like this particular book um, is like some sort of um, treasure hunt where like the things are not like so out there where like you, you, you need to like be patient and you know, dig deep and like just follow the trends. Like instead of trying to control how the flow is going to come or the sort of um, insights that you're going to get that I'm just going to have to, um, just allow the book lead me instead of wanting to like um, lead it. Yeah. So I think that this is what I've learned. So I'm, I'm, I've already gone far and I was, I was having this excitement in my heart that, oh yeah, we are almost close to the end so that we just get done with this. But I think that I'm just going yeah, to go and start from yeah, just like, chapter one. <laughs> Yep. I think I'm going to go Absolutely. back to chapter one and this time Absolutely. I'll just be patient and just let go of every um, desire to control how the study goes and not even and, and also like maybe the way I do it so um, normally if I'm doing my bible study after like my bible study I am um, I like just spend some time and talk to God and all so I think that maybe creating like a different space where I'm not going to do something else so that I'm not trying to rush to conclude one so that I can move on to the other. So I think that this is the ch these are the changes I'm just going to make and mm -hmm. then start from chapter one again. This time mm -hmm. I'll be more patient. But yeah. Be more patient. That's very yeah. important. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, as like honestly, when we start having conversations on Revelation, like it's just an endless, endless, endless reference. Like you see a lot of things. So, for example, I'm just going through like you know, chapter two talks about Satan's city. You know, um, then in chapter two also it talks about the one. This is a message from the one with the sharp two-edged sword. And if you remember, that will take you back to what Paul was saying in his epistles: the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, um, piercing yeah. the soul. Do you get? So you go back yeah. again, 
and then they start to talk to you about Jessibel. What do you, I mean, do you get what I'm saying? It's like, no, who was Jessibel? What was she about? You know, I would like to know why she's mentioned here, even though she was there. What is Jezebel doing here? And then there was Balaam, the prophet. What is Balaam doing here? And then you come again and you see sexual sins and food that was offered to idols. That in itself was Genesis. I'm sorry, that was, um, you know, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and literally the Israelites' journey and what God was always trying to separate them from. So it's like, okay, all these things are starting to go beyond just the stories because all the people that were mentioned there, they, they, they were all dead. I mean, it was assumed that they were dead. But now, you know, we're looking at them here, we're seeing them being mentioned in such a way that it feels like they're alive, right? Yeah. Do yeah, you think exactly. that they're alive and they're not dead? You know, it, it starts to make you see that the Bible is, it's the stories, you know, they were not just random, they were true living people, you know, and not just about the but the essence of which they represented. Um, what was the essence of Jezebel? You know, what was the essence of, um, f- uh, sorry, what was the essence of Balaam? Another thing that we might find interesting is this same Balaam guy was mentioned again in Jude. <laughs> you know, it's like, who was this guy? Why were we talking about him so much, you know? Um, and it's the same way that in Revelations, the rainbow was mentioned. And I, I've been saying this for a very long time. The rainbow is a theme that a lot of us as believers, we don't pay attention to. We just look at it as a sign in the cloud that God promised that he won't destroy the earth. But twice, first in Ezekiel 4, Ezekiel 204, the rainbow is mentioned, an angel with the rainbow on his head. In the book of Revelations 8, 8 or so, it, and, you know, the Lord with the rainbow, an angel with the rainbow around his head is mentioned. And this rainbow was used to describe the glory of the Lord. And so at this point, you now start asking yourself questions like, what exactly did the rainbow symbolize other than God promising that he will not destroy the earth with water? Because if the rainbow was used to symbolize something so glorious, so magnificent, then it must mean something beyond what I've always thought it meant. So at that point, you might start asking yourself a lot of questions like what does each color signify? Why does the rainbow have seven colors? And the book of Isaiah talks about the seven spirits of the Lord. The book of Revelation talks about the seven churches, you know, and we talk about um, in the book of Zechariah, it talks about the seven eyes that is upon the stones. And I don't know if this is making sense. And so you realize that, okay, it's beyond just a rainbow or something that shows in the cloud, but then there's definitely a message here, the seven, the colors, the intentionality. In the book of Revelations, there are seven blessings that are mentioned that are given to the Lord. And these seven blessings are actually very significant if you try, if you start to take them out one at a time. So um, nothing is random in Revelations. It's, it's a book of reference. I kind of, sometimes I read it and I'm just like, this is just a collation of every single thing that has been written before John, you know, wrote the book of Revelations. Like, this is really, this is the point, you know, and there's only so much I can say, but I'm just going to put this in symbols. And then when you're ready to sit down with it, you start to take it out one by one to get the point of what I'm trying to say. And that's what the spirit helps us to do. So, um, 
if we approach it this way, it's going to be really interesting um, and it's going to be life transforming, which is the most important thing for us. Okay, I really hope that thank this you. Um, I wanted to ask, how do you know like what exactly to highlight from the book so like now you just talked about um the rainbow and honestly that wasn't something that um you know i was going to pick out and be like oh rainbow on the guy's head because i read that place where the the guy has mm. rainbow and it's like okay somebody has rainbow and then he's coming to say that some bad things will happen or whatever okay moving on so but how do you like now say that okay this particular mm -hmm. thing um oh this place or because the the link you just drew for the rainbow like it's crazy almost like <laughs> mm. i didn't see the whole seven colors and you know seven churches and all those things like now it's making a whole lot of sense and then talking about the colors and what each of them represent and all that but like how do i get to this yeah. point where like you know, when you're not there and then it's just me, I'm trying to, yeah. Yeah, so definitely that, that question is one of the things that we're going to answer. You were around yesterday. Um, and if I'm going to be honest, why a lot of us will not pick out on that is because we assume we already know what the rainbow means. And I don't know if yeah, that makes that's sense. True. So yeah. I already know, I think I know what the rainbow means. So why do I need to ask what the rainbow symbolizes, I beg? That's rainbow on the head, nice. <laughs> but if I got to the point where I'm just like, okay, what does rainbow? Why is a rainbow on his head when a rainbow is supposed to be in the cloud? What does this mean? Mm -hmm. You know, you start to ask questions that will lead you to other questions and lead you to other questions. For me, I started doing a study on the rainbow. Um, okay, I think it was around, like I think around 2018. I was just like why does the lgbtq of all things to use why is it the rainbow you know and that question just led, led me to so many things um you know and it just took me back to bible study so yeah it's just asking yourself things like you know all these things what are they supposed to mean um so yeah thank you so much for that question because it just brings us back to what it is i'm going to ask, try my best to you know, it goes straight to the point. Thank you. So, um, you're welcome. So for every single one of us that's here, you know, um, just listening to everything that we've said in terms of Bible study, how studies have been for us, um, you know, it's, I believe that we want more from studies and that's why we're here. And I'm praying that, you know, God opens our eyes and opens our hearts you know, to see and receive what he's giving to us. And at this point, I'm just going to say a prayer, even though I know we've started. So um, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for today. Um, we ask, Lord, that you open our eyes to see you. Um, teach us your word. Cause our hearts to burn, to burn like never before. Give us understanding. Um, teach us to love your word. Teach us to love you and put you above everything. Um, that even in the place of studies, it will not be about what we want, it won't be about what we want to see, but it will be from a place of humility where we let go and we just lay at your feet as servant, and we allow you to reveal yourself and teach us your ways. Um, so even today, we pray that you answer questions, Lord, 
um, answer questions, Jesus, and we submit ourselves to you as vessels, Lord, and pray that every word that we speak will bring glory to you and it will truly be about you, um, not about us, not about our accomplishments, not about our fears or our worries, but about you. Um, and we just pray that you receive all the glory um, and you just lead us, um, lead us to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, Amen. Um, starting with what we just spoke about, you know, um, with revelation and the interconnectivity is what we're going to focus on today, not the interconnectivity, but the foundation. So like I said before we prayed, I'm believing that every single one of us that was here or that is here, see me talking in past tense, Jesus, I have gone ahead. But, um, you know, for every single one of us that is here, I'm believing that it's because we want more. Um, and obviously we're just going to start from the very beginning, which is what is the Bible? What is Bible study? What does it mean to us? And what do we, and what did God intend when he was, you know, um, initiating this and inspiring people to, you know, to document this? It's the first question that people tend to ask. And if I would ask you, what is the Bible? Um, you know, I'm hoping that we have our journals, but what is the Bible? I've heard so many definitions, like I've heard so many, so many definitions. The Bible is a compendium. Like some people just think that it's by big English, you know, they, that you'd be convinced. The Bible is a compendium of something, 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 or the Bible is a collection of something, something, you know, it's just a whole lot of English. But this question is as personal as impersonal, you know, as can be. What is the Bible? And this is the first question that I would like us to answer. Um, and we don't have to write it here. We don't have to say it here. And there's no pressure. You have a week. So if we come back, when we come back next week, we can talk about what you have discovered over time. But the first question I want us to ask is, what is the Bible? What is the Bible? Um, for some of us, the Bible is just a book that we are required to read because we're Christians. For some of us, the Bible is a book that we go to to make to accuse God of things that he did and he did not do. The Bible is a book that we go to to prove our points in, you know, during um, arguments. You know, some of us, the Bible is just, you know, what we put under our pillows at night. Or oh, that's what the Bible has always been to us. Um, for some of us, the Bible is what we read when we're in church meetings or fellowships or when we're in fr with friends or when we are with BSB. But um, what is the Bible to you? Outside the noise, outside the paparazzi, outside everything, what is the Bible? What is the Bible, really? Like, hold the book in your hand and actually ask yourself, or you don't even, you don't need to ask, answer that question now or have the answer, but hold the book and actually ask that question. What is this book? You know, what is this book? How am I reading the book? And it just feels like I'm reading jargons. And how is somebody reading the book and they're saying that they're seeing Christ needs? What is in this book that I'm not seeing? Or what is here that I've seen? And so when you write that question, this is something that I would advise and encourage us to brood over. Stay with this question. Ask the Lord this question. Ask him to open your eyes to show you exactly what the Bible is. And this is something that I, I, you know, I really feel like God really wants us to 
understand or figure out, you know, this is, this is something that personally burns in my heart. You know, understanding what the Bible means to you. It's a very, very important question. Understanding what it is in the first place. If anybody goes to school and they say, oh, you want to study maths, they will ask you, oh, take further maths. And you ask the question, what is the textbook for? Is it for assignments? Is it for exam? Is this something I'm supposed to read? For some of us that went to federal universities in Lagos, they'll give you 100 books and you don't even know what they are for. You know, you just, they just buy it and they impose it on you. And I genuinely believe that some lecturers advise you to buy the books so to, they can get money. But, you know, more than half of the book that I got in university, they were not really helpful to me because questions did not come out from them. So, you know, I think we, we tend to carry that same approach. Either we take that approach or we have a non-challenged attitude, you know, towards the Bible. It's just like, oh, I really want to read the Bible. I really want to get the Bible. But what really is the Bible? This is not something that Google will answer for you. It is your question and you need the answer. And when you get that answer, please write it in your journal. Um, write it in your journal because you always go back to it. It's an answer that you always need to revisit as many times as possible. Um, you know, it's necessary that you do that. The reason for this question is that, the reason for this question is um, the fact that we don't realize that the Bible has a mind. The Bible thinks, <coughs> the Bible thinks in a way. The Bible, so for example, I'm trying to remember something. For example, if you have a human being, a human being is just a body. With, if there is no life in it, it's just a body. For example, Esther Odia's body is just a body if there is no life if the spirit is not alive in me, if my soul is not alive, you know, my soul can exist. But this body is what makes my soul compatible with this dimension, which is the earth. So now, if my soul was not residing in my body, my body is just another body. And so if we actually fail to see that the Bible is possible to come alive or the bible can possibly come alive by the empowerment of the spirit of god it affects the way we relate with it so we might just see it as a book we might just see it as a document we might just see it as anything but then if we actually don't realize that the bible can come alive in us to us and through us by the spirit of god then it would just be a book that we put under our pillow and we use it for sword or we use it to memorize scriptures or somebody said yesterday, we use it to get scriptures for prayer points. You know, it would just be just a book. But somebody else will pick up the Bible and they will tell you something. And as you're hearing the word, has anybody ever had this experience where you're probably listening to a teaching and it suddenly feels like your heart is burning? Has anybody had that experience before? Where you're just, you're either listening to a teaching and it's not what the person is saying. The person is probably quoting something or reading something or bringing to life a, a particular text and you're hearing it and it feels like your heart is burning. Has anybody experienced that before? You know, color only, yes. I can't see any other person. Gallery view, Excel. Alicia, have you had that experience before? Adobe, have you had that experience before? Yes, I have. 
Yes, I have. But you said my heart will be burning. I really don't have that heart burning experience. But yes, I've had a lot of moments. It the Holy Spirit speaking to me and it coming so so alive, like I can feel it. I'm like, wow, yes, I've had experience. Yeah, that's like the heartburn is not heartburn. Sorry, it's not like your heart will be burning like there is fire in your heart. Sometimes that happens. But um, what I mean is like you're listening to something and all of a sudden you want to go and study. You know, you're so gingered. You're so gingered. You're just like, oh my God, I can't wait to leave this meeting so that I can just go and sit down and just read. Like my heart is burning so much, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That that's happened what I- to me this morning and that book pushed me to study the book of Joseph. So I was watching, I was listening to Johnny Table Talk today and Jimmy mm-hmm. Evans was talking and he was talking so much about the dreams and it was it was I, I just like it was just I was just really I could relate to what was happening to me now and to what he was saying mm-hmm. so I was like you know what I need to study Joseph you just got up and like I'm gonna do this now yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah. So literally what is happening at that time is that the Bible stops becoming a text. It becomes alive, breathing upon you. Like literally you can feel it. You know, this is alive. You know, this is, there is something happening. You know, it's that word that is alive and breathing and it's powerful and it's able to transform and change and quicken the hearts of people, you know? So when, when that happens to you in studies, what is happening is, will you now call the Bible just a book? Or it is something that the spirit has, the, the spirit in that moment has started to breathe over the words and it has come alive in you, right? Um, you've never experienced it. Hopefully that happens to you tonight. So it comes alive in you and you know, you just want more. You just, you, you stop being satisfied with where you are and you're just like, I just want more. I just really want to get this thing. You know, I'm going to do this today. I'm going to start all over again. And um, that's what the word does. Um, and I always use this example. There are a lot of people that use the book of Psalms to cast spells and conjure. The same Psalms that will sit down and be reciting, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall know. Sometimes as they're reciting, you're even yawning. Somebody else is taking that same scripture and the person is casting spells. I really need us to think about this. So it is important that we see the book as not just a book. And what I mean, and I really need to emphasize this, this is not idolizing the book. This is, idol, this is not idolizing the book. This is acknowledging that this book is beneficial for my journey. And this book can come alive in me. It can come alive to me and it can come alive through me. We can be reading the book of Galatians 4 and we will recite the fruit of the spirit without seeing anything come alive in us. Gentleness, call it work. Patience is not there. Kindness is not there. You can't even think about yourself loving people because you're reciting it. You know everything. And then, but at the same time, you're actually saying, oh, God, give me the patience because me, I know myself. I know how I am. If I don't want, I just don't want to show my true color. But you know all the fruit of the spirits. And it's just not coming out in you. It's not alive in you. 
you say, oh, uh, let me just tell you now, I believe I know all the gifts of the spirit. I know all these things and I can't, let me tell you about prophecy. Some people will tell you, break it down, give you head knowledge. But when it actually comes to expressing the gift in such a way that it is alive and breathing in somebody else's life, it's not going to work. But somebody can actually look at the word that Jesus said to his disciples. I know that someone that had a testimony of Todd White. I don't know if anyone knows Todd White. When he just came to the Lord, he saw in scriptures where it was said that go into the world, heal the sick, raise the dead, and make disciples in my name. And he literally was reading that book every single day. And every single day he would read it. He would go out and he would say, and pray for anybody that was sick. And, you know, according to his testimony, he did this about 900 and something times, if I'm not mistaken. Please, I stand corrected. But it was a lot. He was doing it every day. Everyone he saw, he would go, please, can I pray for you? Because in his mind, he was like, Jesus said, go out into the world, heal the sick, raise the dead, make disciples in my name. And so it's not just a statement. It's not just a text. For him, that word is alive and it's breathing in him, it's breathing through him, and it came alive to him. And so we need to realize that in order for us to see and benefit from what the Bible is, we need to define our relationship. For some of us, we need to redefine our relationships with the Bible. That is, we need to ask ourselves questions like, what is this Bible? What does it mean to me? And that's the second question. What does the Bible mean to you? You need to ask yourself that question. What does the Bible mean to me? If I ask us now, what does food mean to you? What does food mean to you, Excel? Excel, what does food mean to you? Food is, I love like food is work. Food is work. Okay. Food is work. Nourishment. What is what does water mean to you? Oh, refreshment. Refreshment. Please, who is a foodie here? What does what what does food mean to you? Please, I'm looking for a foodie here. Please. Me, what, me, does me, food, me. what does food mean to you? Joy. <laughs> Joy. But Bible is work. <laughs> no, I'd not say that now. Uh, no, I'm not saying you should agree you're looking for foodie. <laughs> Please, I'm okay. not around. Okay. <laughs> but who is a jollification? See, people are already, some people just, the, the word food. You can, you can help me now. Like, please, can we just be done with question? Because I just remember there's food in the fridge. Just the thought of food, you're gone. Like, <laughs> some people, what does brushing your teeth mean to you? Not anything I love. There's almost time for food. Okay, what does brushing your teeth mean to you? If I'm going to ask you now, that what does it mean to you? Eat. If you don't break, wow, can you imagine? Walk, so, brushing your teeth. Brushing teeth is associated with food. Wow. It's walk, Brushing teeth is walk. Similarly, you're a dirty person. It's not a matter of dirty. What do you mean? It's just, it's, it's, walk. it's, it's stressful. Because yes. when they stroll, they walk out, they go. Oh, remember, oh, I'm not brushed. Now we want to not go. I beg. Wow. Well. Amazing but... things that we are hearing. 
Everything is work. Please, Adela, please, what is what does brushing teeth mean to you? What does it mean? When you think of brushing your teeth, what do you think of? Okay, I don't think Adela. Adela, are you there? Please let me know if you're here. Um, Helen, what when you think of taking a shower, what does it mean to you? Is it work too? Let me just know that this place is packed with dirty people. Uh, nah, nah, shower cannot be work at all. <laughs> what, does it mean to you? what does it mean to you when you think of shower? Hygiene, cleanliness, Hygiene. like, ah, Pamper. considering my people, like the people I'm going to meet, no, how will I go there without having my bath? Are you seeing that shower time is fun time? Now, me see that. If you think of, if I say, if I ask someone now, what does spa time mean to you? What would you say? Spa. Spa. You've never been to spa. Baby girl life. So baby girl life. Okay. I want to ask you a question now. Kolawole, do you like gadgets? If I, if, what does iPhone 12 mean to you? Ah. What does iPhone What does iPhone 12 mean to you? Eh? I don't think you will have to ask. <laughs> <laughs> it's all to give me iPhone 12 now. <laughs> I, think you should ask <laughs> I think you should ask me another question. What? iPhone 12? It, what does he say? What does he say? I will cry if she brings me cry. <laughs> <laughs> if I ask someone now, for me, if someone should bring cold water to me, cold water means a lot. Every time I drink cold water, yeah. I pray for the person that invented fridge. I'm just like, I don't know. Lord, please have mercy. If this person committed a sin, I just hope that he's, he's in heaven <laughs> in a freezing place because he deserves to be pampered. This man has tried for the world. If he's a man or a woman, I don't know, but, you know, sometimes you just drink water and you feel like doing a research on the person that invented fridge. It's just like, I really need to bless this person for my soul. But what is happening now is I'm giving words, I'm naming items, and somehow subconsciously we have built and we have defined a relationship with them. Does that make sense? We have defined relationships with them. We think of one thing and something, a meaning comes in, like a word comes in. For example, I used to really love red wine. You know, I still love red wine. Let me just be honest. You know, I used to review wines um, and it was really, it was such a nice, I really loved that job, review wines for magazines and people and events. You know, I really wanted to take it very seriously. And so every time I go to some supermarkets now, right, and I look at wine, there sometimes I just go to people's wine racks. I just go there, just their wines collection to see their wines collect, wine collection. And you know, sometimes I'm just like, oh my. And I, if, you're, if you're around me, you might just think that I'm yearning a lot of rubbish because I'll just be like, oh, this wine is something, something, or one word or the other you're going to add. Every time I do that around El Shaka, it just says, oh yeah, that's true. 
that's that's true. At the end, you say, man, I don't I don't understand anything you just said. Like everything you just said now is in your pocket, you know. Because subconsciously, I've defined my relationship with wine. When I think of wine, I think of so much. I think of, you know, balance. I think of good food, fine dining. You know, I think of all those things. Some people, when they think of wines, they think of shayo. You know, they just want to drink and get drunk, and that's all. So the truth is, when we have things around us, somehow we have defined our relationships with them. And so why is it that we, and you know, the truth is whether we know it or not, we have defined our relationships with the Bible. For some of us, when we think of Bible, we think of stress. When we think of Bible, we think of work. For some of us, Bible means sleep time. It's the last thing I will, I do while I'm sleeping. So I'm just gonna read the Bible and sleep off so I don't have bad dreams. For some of us, when we, read the, when we think of Bible, we think, we just, you know, we, we, when you think of Bible, I want you to write it in your journal. When you think of the Bible, someone said bedtime stories, wow. When you think of the Bible, what comes to mind? What comes to mind now? And then when you sit on this question over the week, I want you to think of what you want to get whenever you come to the Bible. And then ask yourself, what does the Bible mean to me? What should the Bible mean to me? When I think of the Bible, what should I think of? What should come to heart? Do I think of life? Do I think of food? Do I think of water? For so many times in the Bible, the word was described as food. The word was described as water because water is life. You, you can, you can, I mean, if you're doing a dry fast, they will advise that after 40 days, at least drink water. Because your entire body runs on water. When there is no water, you're actually approaching death. And if the word of God is described as water, then that means that without the word, there is no life. As a matter of fact, the rabbis actually say that the, the word, that is the Torah, is the very thing that is sustaining the world today. The moment God takes his word out of the earth, the earth ceases to exist. And so you see people that spend their entire lives studying, just giving, they just give their lives to the word because they know that the word, they know what it means to them. It's not, I don't need somebody to come and give me hundred principles or, you know, oh, four reasons you should study the Bible. Can I be honest? I don't believe in begging people to, to do Bible study. Every time I have conversations with people, just by, in my conversations with people, I already know what the Bible means to you. And I just try not to convince you. The only thing I pray for is a revelation that it hits you in such a way that that's my prayer. That's like my personal prayer for people that the word hits you in such a way that it leaves you hungry and nothing can satisfy that hunger. That's because the moment that hunger, that portal is opened and you're hungry, my God, there is nobody that you don't need anybody to convince you to do studies. You don't, you don't, you're the one that will even be looking for, you will even feel like you're disturbing people. And that's what I pray for, you know, I, and I pray for that for every single one of us, that that portal of hunger is opened and we see the Bible beyond just a book or just a chore or something that we need to read to feel good about our Christianity. 
because that's what some of us think of it. So I'm a Christian. I have to read my Bible. But do you really have to read your Bible? Like, if you don't know what it means to you, why are you stressing yourself? You know? So that question is something that you need to sit with yourself. You need to ask yourself that question. And you need to brood over it. You know, don't waste time. I'm sorry, don't think that you're dragging or it's taking too long. Take as much time as you can. And if by next week, you know, you have the answer, I really like to hear what everybody and what the Lord shares or lays on our hearts, you know, um, by next week. And the, the third question is, why should I read the Bible? So what does it mean to me? Why should I read the Bible? Why? Why do I need to read the Bible? You know, why do I need to study the Bible? Why do I need to even engage with the Bible? And this might sound like such a heretic question, you know, you might, if you ask a Nigerian parent now, why do I need to read the Bible? They'll say, ah, close your mouth, close your mouth. Don't let anybody hear you, please, please. You know, because it's, it sounds like a, you are being rude to God, you know, it's like, ah, why should I read the Bible? God, please, why am I stressing myself? But no, God is not scared of our questions. God needs us to get to that point where we actually ask these questions. Why do I need to study the Bible? Why do I need it? Why do I need to study it? Why do I need to go through it? Why do I need any of it? Why do I need any word? Why is the story of David important? Why do I need to read the story of David? Obviously, there were so many people that lived in the time of David. But David's story was documented. So that means that it must have meant something. That means that there is some, there is some essence, there is a narrative that the person that the Lord inspired to document that story was trying to present to us. Why do I need to study that? Why do I need to study the life of Jesus? Why do I even need it? Why do I stress myself? And so these are three foundational questions that we ask when we are defining our relationship with the Bible. So some of us might say, oh, the Bible is not entirely the word of God. The Bible is, we might say the Bible is not this, the Bible is not that. But in all honesty, oftentimes when people say, oh, I want to hear the voice of God, I always ask, have you even bothered reading your Bible? How about we start from there? Can we just start from there? Can we start with the one that is in front of you and let God see how you're stewarding it and how faithful you are with it? Can we start from there and redefine it, you know, and see it as not just a book, but we see it as a documentation. We see it as something that is beyond, you know, a collection of stories. And I was just reminded yesterday, you know, when I was talking about this and I said, when we look at the Bible, oftentimes, you know, this assumption might be to idolize it, but it's not idolizing it. It is, and I'll use this word very carefully. It is idolizing the spirit behind the word. And what I mean is, I wouldn't even use the word idolizing. It is acknowledging and prioritizing the spirit behind the word. So as opposed to saying, oh God, give me the desire to read the Bible, which is amazing. Give me a hunger for your word. You know, as we're saying that prayer, we should also say side by side, God, give me a hunger for everything that has to do with you. Give me a desire to love what you love, to love what you are involved in. So I'm like an obsessed lover. You know, if somebody says, oh, God was here, 
or God's hand was on this thing, or God did something here. I want to be involved with it, not because of that thing, but the fact that God was involved with that thing, or God is involved with that thing. There's no way in our lifetime that we talk about walking with Christ and we don't talk about the Bible. And so for me, what that means is, if this is part of what it looks like, if this is part of, you know, if this tells me something, this narrator, it points Christ to me. If I'm looking at this thing and I'm seeing, this is the image, this is what it's supposed to be about. So for example, I'm going through scriptures, I'm seeing the life of Jesus, I'm seeing the life of Paul, I'm seeing the life of Peter, I'm seeing the life of Moses and Abraham. And I see that all these things actually point to an essence that is Christ. So that means that this gives me a need description of what Christ looks like and if I'm trying to be like Christ I'm not saying I'm trying to be like Christ if my old my entire journey of walking with God is to be like him then that means that I should prioritize this book and I have to look at it to be like okay what does Christ look like what did he look like in this person what did Christ look like what is the closest description you know of Christ and this will now lead me to maybe Colossians 1 when I'm reading about Paul's narrative or Paul's description of the Christ and Paul is talking about how Christ is the foundation and the one that holds the world together. And there's nothing that was created that wasn't created within him. All of a sudden, I start to see pictures and I'm seeing images. I'm like, oh, okay, this is interesting. This is what this Christ looks like also. You know, I want to know more. So redefining it and asking ourselves, why do I want or why do I need to study the Bible? These are questions that we need to ask for us to have a healthy relationship with the word. And I use the word healthy because some of us don't have healthy relationships with it. You know, some of us is when we want to marry, that's when we go to Romans 12 and say, ah, there is a good will, there's a perfect will, there's a permissive will. I've seen it in scriptures, somewhere in scriptures. It's quite unhealthy. So we need to start redefining our relationships you know, our relationship with the Bible. So those three questions, I'll be expecting, I'm hoping and praying that we'll brood over them during the course of the week until we come again. And, you know, we'll start conversations around that. I'd like to know what every single person, you know, has to say. Am I skipping? Bustina, I know you are Buddha Network. I don't know what is happening. Am I skipping anyone? Or can everybody hear me? Okay. <laughs> the three questions. What is the Bible? What does the Bible mean to me? And why do I have to study the Bible? Those three questions are questions I like us to think about or brood over in the course of the week. That's the first thing. So the first thing is, this is under redefining our relationship to the Bible. These three questions are questions that we need to ask ourselves. The second point, which is going to be there, we're going to be here for a while this evening, not a while, but then this is like where we're going to round up. So those three questions, please brood over them. Then number two is, realizing that the Bible was not written within our context. And I'll explain what this looks like. So oftentimes when we're reading the Bible, we put ourselves in the Bible, right? As opposed to allowing the Bible to put itself in us. 
I don't know if this makes sense. So I can come to the Bible now. Does this make sense? So I can come to the Bible and I'm reading the Bible, but I want it. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. I can. Yes, I can. Okay. <clears throat> so I said, I will come to the Bible. That's And please let me know. We can start casting ourselves here. How many of us actually come to the Bible and we're reading, maybe we're reading Psalms 91. But as we're reading that Psalms 91, as opposed to trying to understand what Psalms 91 is saying, we're trying to understand how Esther is in this Psalms. <laughs> Esther is in this Psalms 91. How? Esther, I'm looking for Esther in this Psalms 91. So the past, sometimes when we're even studying, you know, We'll really, 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 when it now gets to in quotes, the bad part. That bad part is that I will come to your city. I will destroy you. After reading blessings at the beginning, you now come to, I will come down and I will destroy your land. Sometimes you're reading the Bible in a public place and the person will say, no, it's okay. <laughs> so I'll say, it's okay, it's okay. Don't go past the blessing. Just, just stop there. Some people tell you to go back to the blessing and stop in the blessing. Don't go past the blessing. Just stop in that blessing. Just stop in that blessing. If you go past the blessing, you have to go back to the blessing, read the blessing, and then stop in the blessings. Do we do that? Can we be honest? As we're reading the Bible, we're putting ourselves in Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High say, Esther that dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Esther! does not even know what the secret place looks like or, you know, and Esther doesn't give a hoot. Esther doesn't care to know what the secret place looks like, but Esther is in that secret place. Sha, I am in that secret place, wherever the secret place is. I'm going to be there, you know, and I don't care. I don't want to know what the secret place is. What does it mean? I just know that I'm inside that secret place and I'm telling God, as Esther is in the secret place of the Most High, Esther will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. What does that shadow look like? What if they tell you that that shadow is not a good thing? The moment they tell you the shadow is not a good thing, you now say, ah, I can't be in anybody's shadow. I'm number one. I'm supposed to shine. You know, we look for how to, we just want ourselves to enter the scripture somehow. We want to force it. You know, it's like, please. <laughs> Please look for how to choke me inside. I, I, I have to be in this. I have to be in this scripture. But we don't actually understand what the scripture is about. So how are you going to be inside something that you don't know? And oftentimes, if we're honest, when we talk about not understanding the Bible, it's not necessarily what the Bible is saying, but we just don't see how it applies to our contemporary mind it just doesn't sit right you know it doesn't make sense for god to say this kind of thing to these people after everything they didn't even beg you to leave egypt they left egypt you now came and started killing them what kind of god are you uh-uh you're so you know we want to make sense we wanted to make sense for our 21st century mind but the thing is the Bible wasn't written in your context. The Bible wasn't written within your context. It wasn't written in your time. It wasn't written in your language. It wasn't written with your mindset. The Bible has its language 
And the mistake that we tend to make is that we try to interpret the language of the Bible with our own language. And that's where we start to miss it. That's when we start to miss it because there's a narrative going on, you know? And just imagine, this is what we do. Two people are having a conversation in their language. You now enter the conversation and start laughing. You now say, yes, 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 yes. I understand you, I get it. I mean, yeah, you just, oh, yes, 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 that's true. That's true, oh yes, that's true. Ah, that's so true. How many people have experienced that thing before? You are actually having a good gist with your friend. And then a third party just comes and says, eh, well, what are you saying? Oh, that time, which boy, which boy are you talking about? It's frustrating, it's, fr it's frustrating. Maybe you're more body gain than, than I am, but whenever people do that to me, I'm just like, what? What on earth? Like, I'm just, I'm actually having a conversation. Can you breathe? and wait, you know? And that's what we do, that's what we do. Moses is telling a narrative. Moses is telling you something. What's, for us to understand what Moses is trying to say, don't come and be telling Moses, yes, 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 I get it. And then you start to argue. Has anybody been in blind arguments before? You are trying to explain something to your friend. You've not landed, the person has started attacking you. It's like, how dare you? Why would you say that? And in your mind, you're just like, if you will just allow me to finish, can I just finish? Then when I finish, you cannot ask me questions. But no, we don't have time for questions. We are independent. We are fighting for human rights and it's not balanced. So therefore, this is not gonna make sense to me. And we bring that, we actually bring that to scriptures. We bring that to our study times. And how on earth is it supposed to make sense if we're not patient with it? So for us to actually start understanding what the Lord is saying through these people, through the Bible, most importantly, for us to understand what the spirit is trying to impact and sow in our lives, we need to learn to be listeners first before speakers. And what does a listener do? A listener understands that this, I'm not in this person's shoes. This person is wearing a different shoe, but it could be shoes that could fit me, but for me to understand it, I need to know how to wear the shoes. I need to know what the shoes are about. I need to understand the essence and the point of the shoes. So I have to come to scriptures knowing that it was a different set of people. David is not from Anambra. So you can't use Anambra mind to try to understand how David thinks. You know, Moses is not Nigerian. So we need to realize that these people were different from us. So the Bible is written in a different context by different people that speak a different language from us. So that means that the context is different. The cultural context is different. The language is different. The characters of these people are different. Even the careers of, how many of us are shepherds here? Please, can I, if you're a shepherd, can I see your hand? If you're a fisherman, please, I'd like to see your hand. If you're a scribe, please, can I see your hand? Even the careers, the occupation of the people in the Bible were different from, from ours, from our reality. Is anybody married to their sister? 
or your brother? Is your brother your spouse? I doubt it because in our context, that's not, that is not even, that's a no-no. But guess what? In the context of Abraham and Sarah, it was fine until the Lord gave Moses the law, you know, and that was put to a stop. So we need to realize and remember that the Bible is written in a different context, different context from our context, has different cultural context, has different characters, occupations, all these things. We need to put these things to heart. So how do we now interact with the context? When we come to the scripture, like I said, redefine your relationship. And the next thing that you need to realize is you don't know anything. It's like the example that we gave a revelation, you know, that assumption of, I know what the rainbow is, will actually miss out on understanding what the rainbow is. So if I'm speaking to somebody that does not speak my language, what understanding looks like is being patient in their narration or narrative, being patient to hear them out and not being afraid to ask questions when I don't understand. So when I'm reading the Bible, you should come with questions. If you don't have questions and you start to have questions as soon as you open the book, don't be afraid to ask. And how do you ask? Sometimes you write them down. Sometimes you're having a conversation with your friend and you say, oh, see, I was studying this thing. And you know, I really had this question. This thing did not really sit well with me. Or this thing does not make sense. Like, I, you know, I'm having difficulties. I'm having challenges answering them. And sometimes your friends are even far. The spirit that is there with you, you know, is activated when you start to ask questions. Ask anybody, if anybody has ever had that experience before. You might just be reading the Bible and it's a text. And the moment you start asking questions, answers that you didn't even ask for, things that you didn't look for will start knocking on your door. Like, oh, hi, here I am. You asked for us, we're here. We've come to answer you. We've come to sit down with you. You know, questions that you were not even asking, things you're not looking for, things you're not even digging for, they just start to come. Because questions activate the school of the spirit. The moment you start to ask questions and you're not asking questions because you've always known, you're asking questions because you know that you do not know. And you want to know better. You want to understand deeper. You want this thing to sit within you. You want the essence to be extracted, you know, and you want that, that life. You want that thing that is being written there to come alive in you. The moment you start asking questions, the school is open. The school just opens up. And that's why some of us can be reading one scripture and it will lead us to another scripture and another scripture and another scripture because you've asked a question and now that question is leading you. That question is journeying with you and is unraveling itself and you start to ask, you know, you start to find answers. So you know that it's not within your context. And then you know that you need to ask questions in order for you to understand. So for example, in scriptures, has anybody heard about the feast before? Anyone heard about the feast? The feast, have any, has anyone studied the feast or heard about the feast before? Timulen, yes. Anybody else? Abby, have you heard about the feast? Have you studied the feast before? Rachel, like, yes, is it I like, have. Yes, I have. Yes, I have. So sorry. Okay. 
is there any fish at all or like a yeah. particular fish? Yeah, anyone. Okay, yes. Yeah. As can can I be honest? Can we be honest? Have we ever thought that the feast is relevant? Have you ever thought that the feast is not relevant in your life? That is it's not helping your life. Have you ever thought that? Can you be can can we be honest? Have you ever actually looked at the feast and you're like then this thing is not helping my life? How is it gonna help my life right now? Okay, um when I Have first heard about it. When I first heard about it a few years ago, I actually mm. had that mindset that, so which one is fist inside <laughs> this one that we're in? But the person who took yeah. us through it was able to connect Pentecost, you know, as, as mm. Pentecost and the fist of um, tabernacles. Yes, he was able to mm. connect it. And, you know, we, I, saw, I saw a connection then, but by the time I now heard you take it, there was one, uh, there's a session I've attended with you where you did a deep dive into it. And I was just, or you brought another dimension totally, you mm. know, to it. So, and since then, every time I go to Revelations and back backtrack, you know, to the fist in um, uh, Deuteronomy and Exodus, it's just, it's just every time she has something new, something new every mm. time. Yeah. Mm. Someone said it does not concern me. Because it's not gonna, it's not gonna show you the way to get a job. How do you want to pray? What's the prayer point for the feast? Well, how will you get prayer point from the feast? When you are reading the feast of, of Pentecost, what are you going to say? Oh Lord, Pentecost, what are you going to say? Where will you get prayer points? You can't get prayer points from the feast. That's the assumption, right? But the truth is, the Pentecost, or oh, sorry, the feast, you know, the feast, the Jewish feast, what we call the Jewish feast is splattered across the scriptures from gen from from exodus to revelation from exodus to the revelation it is there and so what does the kingdom of god have to do with the feast one might ask but if i miss out on that context then i might just not be able to i will i will just not see the point and i would lose i will miss out on the essence of what that is about. What does the 12 tribes have to do with revelation? Somebody might be asking, but there is an essence. Every name means something. It's telling a story. So that means that there is something that, you know, we're probably not paying attention to that we'll miss out on or miss out from or on if we actually don't, you know, ask questions about those things. So the moment I realized that the Bible is not written in my context, in my language, I start to study. I start to ask questions. I've asked this question before. Have you ever worn sack clothes before? Do you know what it looks like? No, has any designer made it before? So why do we see sack clothes and assume we know? You know, have you, do you use wine skin for your wines? It's always bottles. So if they wrote wine bottle, it's a different thing, but it's wine skin. Why are they talking about wine skin here? Has anybody had a vineyard before? Why does God describe his people as a vineyard? Why is the theme of vineyard? You know that vineyard is one of the most common words in scripture. Noah had a vineyard. God described um, in the book of Deuteronomy, there was a vineyard. 
in the laws, there was mention of the vineyards. In Ezekiel, there was vineyards. In Isaiah, there was vineyard. In, in Jesus's parable, there was vineyard. In the book of Revelations, there were vineyards. In Paul's epistles, there were vineyards. And so it's that question of what are these people saying that I'm not getting right now? You know, so it's that thing that we need to start asking ourselves, like, do I really think, do I really know as much as I think I know? Or do I need to start slowing down to understand what is being communicated through the Bible? And it's in this process of context and language differences that we are going to enter translations next week. Um, understanding translations, why translations, navigating translations, um, this is very, 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 very important for us, um, you know. So in the meantime, because I really want us to end early, I know some of us have work tomorrow. Um, I'm just going to ask us to see a scripture. It's, it's something that we did a study, we studied yesterday. Um, Matthew 6. So while we're searching Matthew 6, I'm just going to give us opportunities if anyone has any question, any thoughts, anything at all, like um, any thoughts, questions, or anything at all, um, please let me know. Feel free to unmute your mic and ask. But while we're doing that, please open your Bibles to Matthew 6. Matthew 6, verse 22 to 23. So questions, thoughts, comments. Um, it's open. Please feel free to shoot. That's true. That's the song. As the day of Pentecost, fire follow me. <laughs> so, okay. So, questions, thoughts, comments, feedbacks. I have one. Okay. All right. So, um, well, this has to do with just process. It doesn't have to do with the Bible study question. Um, I missed yesterday's um, session um, because I have work meetings most of the time every evening. I, um, I have an international client. So is it that we can attend any session or we have to attend all three? That's the Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Or we can pick one. Or if we miss one, we can you know, just attend the very next one to catch up. Um, like, so, you know. Okay, so Tuesday, Wednesday, Sunday is basically the same session. I, I basically teach the same thing. <laughs> um, so what is what we are to do is if Tuesday works for you, then you have four Tuesdays. If Wednesday works for you, then you have four Wednesdays. Um, so this is the first Wednesday. So you have three more Wednesdays. If Sunday works best for you, you have for Sundays. I don't know if that makes sense. So um, okay. Yeah, it does. So that means for instance, like tonight now, I was I was I'm just logging in. I logged in like almost to eleven. Mm. You know, so the days I'm not able to meet when I would prefer, I can just take the very next one since yes. it's the same thing. All right. Yes. So I just have to make sure I log in four sessions for this fundamental. Yes. yes. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So since we don't have any questions, someone asked a question, Pearl, in praying after studying, how do you know what to pray for? Um, I mean, 
it's what what you're studying and what the Lord is revealing to you, you know, like I said, in the place of when you come into that, you know, when you're studying, when you're not reading, that's the difference. The difference is I'm reading sounds, I'm reading about wine skin and I can memorize it. But studying about wine skin is I start to ask questions about wine skin. So when I get into that, there is, you know, there is no way in the place of study that you know, um, the Lord will not deposit something in us. So it's still engaging the spirit behind the word, you know. Um, I've read this thing, I've studied this thing, I'm seeing certain things and certain principles, you know, that I desire or, you know, it's just interesting to see what this is about, you know, and I just really need eyes to really see what you're showing me, you know, help me to make sense of it, help me to put this to practice. Um, you know, these are things that is very easy. Communicating and working with the spirit is very easy. Um, you know, it's very easy. He's your teacher. So one must not be afraid to ask the teacher questions when they have, they have questions or even, um, you know, even as they are studying or even as they are receiving that what they are receiving is not dormant, you know, but it's something that bears fruit in their lives. That's like a very that's a one-step prayer, you know, and then even as you're praying, the Lord will lead you to ask for other things. So don't calculate it too much, you know, just be sincere when you come to, to study. Just be honest, you know, um, be honest about your journey. And I really, I hope that helps. Anyways, so sorry, I, I have a headache. My day has been really long. Okay, so Matthew 6, verse 22. Can we, okay, thank God. So can we, I would like to hear what we think when we see the scripture. This, this is, I love this exercise so much. <laughs> I like to hear what we think when we see the scripture. So what, what do we see here? Thank you, Excel. What do we see here? I like to hear what we see, what we think this scripture is saying. Who wants to go first? Aurora is like, hey. <laughs> you have that face like, hmm. <laughs> so please, can, can anybody unmute? Um, can anyone unmute and just say what you think this is? Alicia, what do you think this is? What do you think the scripture is saying? I'm, I'm really not so sure yet, but um, it just reminds me of the scripture. But mm. I'm, it's like when I read it in relation to light and darkness, it just reminded me of um, guarding your heart. And I don't know how to really put my thoughts together, but it just feels like what's um what you, what i don't know how to put it is like what you feed what what your eye feeds on basically and it's it has a way of either either corrupting your insides or like i i, I have it in my head but i can't really like articulate my thoughts articulate yes mm. Like what you feed your heart with. Yes, exactly. What you're saying. Yes. Hmm. Okay. That's what Wura said. 
Sense speaks on discernment. Who wants to go next? Kolaole, you look so serious with your glasses. Like you look like you look like those students that you don't want to mess with, like in, in the exam. It's just like ah, all those people that used to cover their books during the exam, like over it to their hands. Anyways. That was not me. <laughs> that was not, oh, yeah, the opposite. You're the one they used to cover the books book from. That they used to hide the answers from. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for being honest. <laughs> so who wants to go? Emma. Okay, Emma, you were here yesterday now. No, I wasn't here yesterday. Are you serious? Why do I keep seeing you yesterday? Oh, yes, you were here on Monday. Monday. Oh yes, yeah, like for the prayer. Yes, yes. Remember. Who is going now? You guys are leaving me. Okay, for me, I don't know. Just this song just comes to my head. Oh, be careful, little little eyes, what you see. So for me, is basically filtering the things you feed your eyes with because and mm. they have your mind because connected to your mind and everything so it kind of like has the power to control your thoughts too so when you feed your eyes on rubbish you know that your thoughts will feel rubbish too so be careful what you feed your eyes with yeah mm. because your thoughts then control your actions so everything is linked that's mm. it for me who wants to go next? Um, can I can I use an example to mm -hmm. talk mm -hmm. about this? Okay, um, two days two two days ago, I was with a couple of friends and I was trying to work, mm -hmm. and they really wanted me to watch this movie, but it's it's like a Nigerian series, and when this when it started, I just instantly felt really nauseated and I felt really disgusted by the series because. Um, it's it just projected how um, a lot of people were cheating in relationships, how people mm. were being smart about it. And for me, I felt like it's not something I want to read. Sorry, it's not something I want to watch. It's not something I want to feed my mind with because I just feel like um, it gets to a point where you start to watch things like that and it becomes permissive for you without even knowing. And... Mm. I just feel that a lot of these things have spirits in them. Mm -hmm. And the more you permit it, the more it starts to look and feel very okay for you. So um, that's that's the example that came to mind mm -hmm. as I read mm -hmm. read um, the scripture again. Um, so I don't know why, but this verse just like the five foolish who didn't have extra oil and the mm. five wise ones who came with, with extra oil. So why am I thinking of that? Like when they say the eye is the lamp of the body. So it's more like, okay, so how exactly are you making use of the eyes as the lamp of your body? What are the things you're allowing in? What are the things that are blowing? Mm. basically just the same that everyone has said here yeah. mm. okay thank you so much so now from everything that we've seen in this in this scripture 
can you tell me what you notice? What stands out to you in this text? So this is this is practical. This is what this is what it looks like. So can you highlight what stood out to you here? Is anybody there? Is anyone speaking? So I'd say for me, the part that stood out was um, the data part of 23, where it said, if therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how mm -hmm. great is that darkness? So basically, you might think you have light, but it's really just darkness. Mm. So I could, yeah. 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 Who else? Uh, good evening. I think for me, it's um, the, the the fact that you you basically are in control of the outcomes of your life, you know, and the the what you expose yourself to mm. determines the the output or your experience in 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 whatever you know sphere that might be. Because mm. if your eye is, if your eye is the, is like the AI systems, all right? Mm -hmm. Build AI systems and then we let them begin to interact. As they begin to interact, they are learning. As they begin to interact with you, they are learning. You know, they are learning. And eventually they begin to carry out, you know, to the full extent of what they have learned. All right. So the, 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 what's, what strikes out for me is the fact that how you use the eye will always determine your end result. Mm -hmm. How you use your eye will always determine, you know, what your experience would be. Mm -hmm. yeah, thank you. Thank you. Okay. So perspective is basically who we are. Mindset is who we are. These things have to do with our sight and we have to gateway to our heart the eyes and light eyes and light 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 the scripture is good the scripture that was mm, sure someone actually pointed this out yesterday okay so we'll just quickly do something which is put together what we just said about context and knowing that you know it's context first of all this is the fourth exercise so for those people that are not here. I don't know how we're going to communicate it to them, but this is the fourth exercise. The first exercise is to study the scripture. And there are certain things that we start to see here that we're not familiar with. So if, for example, if I come to you now and I tell you good eyes, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? If you heard the phrase good eyes, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Single, evil, I used clear vision, understanding, good taste. Yes, single and evil I used as opposite. Yes, yes, that's a really good one to notice. To notice. Single and evil. Single and evil I use as opposite, yeah. Okay, someone said, please can you repeat the question? If you heard the phrase, good eyes, what's the first thing that comes to your heart? 
What's the first thing that comes to your heart? Good eye. What's the first thing that comes to your heart? 2020 vision, understanding. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I just thought of something. I'm so sorry, but when I saw your name, I just thought of people that say things like to men, you carry good eye, go markets. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> but yeah. So when you think of good eye, you know, there are so many things that clear vision, good sight, clear 2020, 2020 vision, good position. Funny enough, that 2020 came and that's the year we did not see well. Anyways, or we saw well and we did not see well at the same time. I don't know. Insight, amazing. So now the opposite, which is evil eye. What does that mean? Evil eye. What does that mean? Color noted something. Color only noted something. Darkness. Interesting. Color only noted something. He said single is used as the opposite of evil in this text. So why are they using single and evil together? Because it must be single double eyes, but single bad eye. Now, I mean, what do you know what I'm thinking of when I saw this? Why are you looking at me with bad eye? You're giving me bad eyes. You're giving me bad eyes. Why are you giving me? When someone is looking at you with bad eyes, like, I hate you. I'm gonna show you, Pepe. I'm gonna deal with you in this Lagos. Two of us are here. You know, you're thinking of all those things. But would it surprise us to know that these phrases are actually cultural? They are actually the, the answers to these questions are embedded in the cultural context, right? Um, and I'll, I'll and I'll show us. So first of all. Well, let's look at that word, evil eye. Evil eye, um, again, remember, like I said earlier, the Bible wasn't written in our language. The original word for evil eye, you know, there are two languages in which the Bible was written. We'll talk more about this when we're talking about translations, but this is an exercise I want us to go home and do. Um, the Hebrew word for evil eye, right, is of a Thomas of, of O-P-H. T-H-A-M-L-U-S. Did we get that? O-P-H. Let me see if I can get the spelling. O-P-H. You can check it. You can use Bible Hub and I'll show us how to use Bible Hub. But O-P-H-T-H-A-L-M-U-S. If you've got that, please let me know. O-P-H-T-H-A-L-M-U-S. So it's the word of a Thomas, which is I, and then the word for evil, yes, thank you very much. No, O-P-H-T-H-A-L-M-U-S, of a Thomas, Poneros. Poneros is spelled P-O-N-E-R-O-S, Poneros. Poneros is the word in Greek, which is evil. But now when you put Alpha Thomas Poneros together, guess what it means? <laughs> or are you confused? Alpha Thomas Poneros. When you put the two words together, it actually means tinginess. Actually. So when you see Alpha Thomas Poneros, which is evil eye, it's the literal word or the literal meaning is tinginess. And in Hebrew, that word is ra ayin. So that is R-A-A-H, then ayin is spelled A-Y-I-N. Ra ayin, 
is the Hebrew word for evil eye, which means stinginess. But culturally, if we're going to check scriptures, there's some scriptures I wrote down so I don't forget. Can someone check when this word is used in Proverbs 23, verse 6? So we'll see this here. If someone can please share it again in their, in their, in their chat box. Proverbs 23, verse 6. Proverbs 23, verse 6 says, don't eat with people who are stingy, don't desire their delicacies. In some translations, actually, I want us to use other translations. So if you can go to Proverbs 23, verse 6. Does anybody know, does anyone not know how to compare translations when they are studying? So everyone can compare translations, or should I go through it? Should I go over it? Should I go over comparing or utilizing different translations? Okay, so it's, so sorry. Can everyone hear me? Sorry. Can you hear me now? Okay. Yeah, we can. Okay. okay. So I was asking, do we use U version, U version Bible, which is, is what we call the Bible app? Yeah. Do we all use it? Okay, awesome. Yeah. So now go to your U version, right? Go to your U version and type in, just go to your Proverbs, Proverbs, this scripture, Proverbs 23, verse 6. Proverbs 23, verse 6. Proverbs 23, verse 6. Now, when you go to this scripture, you first of all, you see your normal scripture, Proverbs 23, verse 6. If you're there, please let me know. If we're going too fast, let me know. So now I want you to highlight verse 6. Just tap on verse 6. Just highlight verse 6. So just tap on it. Don't highlight it. Just tap on it. Do you is it underlined now? It's underlined. Awesome. So now at the bottom, can you see anything at the bottom that has share, image, compare, notes? Do you see that? So now, can you tap on compare? At this point, you're going to see different translations. Is somebody, is someone using something different? So you're going to see different translations. Okay. So now on this translation page, right, or this comparison page, at the right-hand side of your app, you're going to see a green button that has plus. Can you see it? Can you see it? So now tap on it and then check for, you see different translations. So scroll down and check for a translation called CJB, Complete Jewish Bible. Have you seen it? Okay. Then go down, you see, if you don't have Amplified, you can download Amplified. If you don't have Amplified, you can download them. You can just tap on Amplified. Go down, you see, um, you see OJB. Have you seen OJB? Exactly, Naomi, exactly. You see OJB. Have you seen OJB? Awesome. So can you see message translation? If you don't have message translation, can you check on that? Um, Amplified translation, you can tap on TPT. All right, why are you smiling? <laughs> you can tap on TPT. You can tap on contemporary English version. Um, there is easy to read ERV. Then I want you to look for one that is called World Messianic Bible. It's WMB, World Messianic Bible. You've seen it? Then there's another translation called tree of life 
Tree of Life, Tree of Life version is a new translation. It came out last year, but it's really good. Last year or two years ago, but it's really good. Um, so there is NKJV. NKJV, if you don't have that, then um, there is, okay, this is a very interesting translation. So look for King James Version with Apocrypha American <laughs> Edition. So it's KJV AAE. Have you seen it? Adobe, have you seen it? KJV AAE. Awesome. Then there is the World Messianic Bible, if you don't have that. Then there is New Messianic Version. I think. I think now we can we can start exploring other translations. And then finally, there is a translation that is really good. It's called Young Literal Translation. It's the 1898 version. You've probably seen that already. Have you seen it? Okay, so now, can you let me know what you see there? The, instead of the translation that we first read, it said a stingy person, but then what does this translation say? This, some of these translations, what do they say? So what does young literal translation say? Evil eye, yeah. Um, mostly evil eye, evil eye. You see a lot of evil eye. Some say miser, some say stingy person, some say greedy person. And it starts to paint a picture when Jesus said, but if your eyes are evil, that's if you're stingy or you're greedy or you're a miser or you're a selfish person, then your entire body is filled with darkness. And you know this process of people that think, people that are stingy, they think they are smart. <laughs> How foolish is yours if you assume smartness? If you think that, okay, you are gathering for tomorrow, but then what's just happening is that you're just being foolish because you're only thinking about yourself. So. I, I hope we're all on the same page. If there's, if no one is is there, please let me know. So um, there's another. There are other. There are other scriptures as well. So there is Proverbs twenty eight. If you check Proverbs twenty eight verse twenty two, it says the same thing. Greedy people try to get rich quick, but don't realize they're headed for poverty. If your light, if the light in you is darkness, then how great is that darkness? So. That's Proverbs 28, verse 22. And I'm just going through this because you need it when you're doing your study. Um, Proverbs 28, verse 22 says the same thing. Exactly. Thank you, Caroline, for sharing that. Eat not the lechem. Lechem is just the bread. Lechem. We have, that's the word for bread. That's what we have. Bethlehem. So it's the house of bread. Beth is house. Lechem is bread. So Bethlehem is house of bread. So that's word Lechem that she shared in the chat box. It, it's not the Lechem of a person with evil eye because an evil eye is a stingy person. An evil eye is greedy. And it's not just with food or with money, but greed can look a whole lot like thinking about yourself other than any other person. Greed can actually look like putting yourself first, which now contradicts the law that Jesus spoke about that when he said the two greatest laws, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul and your might and love thy neighbor as you love yourself. If you put yourself first, then you should put your neighbor first. But then if you think that the love within you is love, but you put yourself first every single time, then how great is that darkness? So that 
word alone starts to take you to different places. It takes you to the law. It takes you to Deuteronomy. It takes you to John 1, when John says, if anybody loves the Lord and he hates his neighbor, then that person does not have love in his heart. So it starts to take you to different places, like what does greediness mean? What does it really mean to be greedy? What does it really mean to put myself first or be stingy? And this is said consistently in scriptures. In um, Deuteronomy chapter 15 as well. So if someone can please write all the scriptures down too. Deuteronomy chapter 15, um, verse 9, um, it says, do not be mean-spirited and refuse someone alone because the year for canceling debts, no, Deuteronomy 15, verse 9, yeah, because the year for canceling debts is closed. And if you refuse to make the loan and the needy person cries out to the Lord, you'll be considered guilty of sin. And what this guilt is, is again, having an evil eye. That's, and what literally this is, if I can explain just simply, when someone is said to have an evil eye, that is somebody that sees the need of a neighbor and, decide, and decides to not see to that need if it is in their capacity to see to it. So when you see a need and you refuse to see to that need, even when you have the capacity to see to that need, then that one is considered one that has an evil eye. On the other hand, we have the good eye. You probably remember the scripture Jesus gave a parable where he hired different people. A man hired different people at different times, different laborers at different times. And then the people that came last were paid the same amount as people that started. And then Jesus asked them, are your eyes evil because I choose to do good? Or sorry, the man asked them, are your eyes evil because I choose to do good? So literally what we're seeing there is one that has good eyes is one that desires to be what? Can somebody guess now? Generous, exactly. Generosity, generosity. And so when you put that in this scripture now, when someone is single-eyed, this, what I'm saying here, what I'm using here, right? First of all, number one, we see the gap in context as a result of translation. And so that's why we have other translations to help us bridge the gap. So when you're doing your study, as opposed to just doing one translation, check out other translations, some of these translations that I've suggested. Check them out, check out other ones. You'll start to see how, you know, some of these, if you notice the ones that use Tov Ayin or Ra Ayin, those are the ones that are very close to the Jewish context. The ones that use good eye or stingy or evil eye, those ones are very close to the Greek context as well. Those ones that don't use Tov Ayin or Ra Ayin, they are very close to the Greek context. Um, you know, so compare translations. Yes, exactly. Thank you for pointing that out. Ayimoro, um, which is funny enough was used in that scripture, is because there are two ways, or there are two, which is quite funny and is a long story. In Hebrew context, there is the Ayin Ra and Ayin Poro. Ayin Horo is literally somebody that is evil. I don't know how to explain it. This is like this is like someone that is either stingy or you know wicked. But when you use Ayin Ra, Ayin Ra has to do with witchcraft. And that's like, so yeah, that's like a whole context entirely. But I just want us to focus, if you get the context of what I'm saying, the generosity and the stinginess. And um, then regarding the good eyes, which is Tov Ayin, um, the Greek word is Ophatomos Aplos, which one is um, Poneros and then Aplos. 
And then what this is, there are other scriptures here. Sorry, I'm rushing at this point. So you probably check out Romans 12 verse 8, 2 Corinthians 8 verse 2. Please write them down. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 2, 2 Corinthians 9 verse 11 to 13, James 1 verse 5, Proverbs 22 verse 9, and Proverbs 11 25. So when you're doing a study on this, please cross-reference with some of these scriptures. Um, and this is how we start to get a holistic perspective of what, God, of what Jesus or what scriptures were saying. Um, yes, so this is going to be our exercise. And um, we're going to do a study on this scripture, take out all these elements and then put them back into the scripture and then let me know what you see. And what, what, when you do that, it's going to make sense that the theme of this scripture literally starts out with feeding the needy, giving to the needy, praying in public, praying and fasting, God taking care of us. Then Jesus starts to talk about money and possession. And so when you put in generosity and stinginess into it, it just balances, like it just balances out. And then it makes sense that, oh, this is what he was saying. Um, you know, um, this is what he was talking about. Okay, I'll, I'll go over this again. The good eye, you have Romans 12, verse 8, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 2, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 2, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 11 to 13, James 1, verse 5, Proverbs 22, verse 9, and Proverbs 11, verse 25. So when you're doing a, a study on this, check out the scriptures, cross-reference them, use other translations. And I really like to know what we come up with next week um, and what the Lord just teaches us um, just using these scriptures. So um, this is the third, sorry, this is the fourth exercise. Um, and I'm just going to give a quick summary. The first thing we talked about is identifying, we spoke about revelations, the interconnectivity, and how revelations is a collation of the mysteries and at the same time, a revelation of all of them. Um, you know, just pointing us to the fact that the book or the Bible reveals itself, it unveils itself because it has built or laid foundation, then working towards the end. So see it as, this is how we started, and Revelation is talking about how all these things that we said make sense. It's like a, like a movie, how at the beginning, all those movies that start out very slow, then at some point it starts to take shape. That's what the book of Revelation is. Then we spoke about the three exercises. What is the Bible? What does the Bible mean to you? And why should you study the Bible? And then the fourth, and then the next thing we spoke about is understanding the cultural context approaching the Bible to understand, not putting yourself in it first. So seeking to understand and in understanding you ask questions and in asking questions, you activate the school of the spirit. And then finally, we spoke about knowing the contextual difference. And what this is, is every time we go to scriptures, we must be, you know, we, we must remember to ask questions. Don't assume you know, it's best to take the posture of one that doesn't know. Because when you actually admit that you do not know, that's when you actually start to know. So um, knowing that you don't know, and so you must ask questions. And what you know this looks like is taking your time. Don't be in a hurry 
to get rhema what you must seek is the word birthing in you you know the word being planted and coming alive within you to you and through you and then the exercise that we actually look at looked at or looking looking at currently looking at is matthew 6 uh, matthew 6 22 to 23 but by next week i really want to hear how this scripture takes form in our heart so please if you have to do the exercise an hour before the session don't bother <laughs> don't bother don't do it for doing sake please um, you know, actually sit down with it. If you've been asking, how do I start studying? This is a good place to start. This is a good way to start. So um, don't be afraid to send a question, shoot a question. Um, if Honestly, I'm not going to lie. This past week has been very crazy for me. So I would really advise that we send an email to haverin.bsb. It's easier for me to track there because sometimes messages on WhatsApp gets lost. So if there's any question at all, you can send an email there. It'll be easier to answer or just have a conversation around it. So this is the exercise. I've shared some scriptures. You're dividing evil eye, good eye. And then there's something else that we need to talk about, which is the lamp. It says the eyes are the lamp. That lamp is a reference from the word menorah. It's spelled M-E-N-O-R-A-H. That's the final thing that we're going to study. What is a menorah? It's in scripture. It's in the book of Exodus under the design of the tabernacle. Um, Leviticus, uh, Exodus, Leviticus. So um, please do your research on, on, on that. And um, funny enough, it's also in Revelation, the seven lamps, the seven churches. Um, if you don't, I will come and take your lampstand, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, let's do a research on the menorah. Do research on good eye and evil eye um, and just prayerfully ask the Lord to open your eyes to see what he wants you to learn. So I'm truly looking forward to next week to see what we learn, to see what the Lord teaches us. I would love to learn and just hear what everybody else has to say as well. Um, and yeah, so I think this is where we round up for today. So at this point, I'm just going to ask for a feedback question or if anybody wants to share a summary, a summary of what they've learned today and how they're going to put it to practice. Um, the floor is open now. Um, I have a question about um, the verses you just gave us. Um, the two current, all those other verses. So what we meant to do is obviously look at them and like cross-reference them to the good eye and the evil eye. I just want to make sure I understand. What we okay, do so can you say that again? Oh, um, I'm asking about our homework, in particular the the many verses mm -hmm. you gave us. So I'm asking if we meant to um, obviously look at those verses and then cross mm -hmm. cross reference them to the evil eye and good eye. Mm -hmm. Is that what we meant? To yes. Do? Okay. Yes. Okay. Please. I just wanted oh, clarity. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So let's look at them. So we're picking out the the elements in the scripture, those things that are not um, just the elements, um, you know, and then study them and then put them back in the scripture. And then something I actually forgot to mention is that the words Jesus was using, good eye, evil eye, they are actually cultural context in the Jewish, um, in the, in, in amongst the Jews, even till date, when Jews actually call for donations, they actually say, give with good eyes. 
which is quite interesting. They actually say, give with good eyes. That means give generously. So it's the same. It's like a proverb, or you know, it's like how we say, um, you know, yeah, how Lagos or Nigerian have like their own adage or proverbs. That's what it was in scriptures. So please, I really like to hear what people have to say. And um, okay, um, I have said back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, as we're as we, as we're teaching, I realized that this evil eye and good eye thing. One can also um, relate it back to intention. You know, um, mm-hmm. in 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 the Matthew six, in the Matthew six, there was a, a scripture in the Orthodox Jewish translation. It says something about if the eye being unblurred, you know, if the mm-hmm. eye being clear. You know, and generosity also has to do with intention as well. So if you have a good intention, then, you know, your path will be bright. There, there's no way that you will see things from a brighter perspective, you know, and then it will make you do good. Mm-hmm. But if you have an evil intention, even though you are doing a good deed, you know, there will mm-hmm. be the tendency to withhold your hand. There will be the tendency to actually want to, you know, color it with a bad um, with a bad something, you know, if you're given a dress mm-hmm. because you have an evil intention, even if the dress is good, you know, there's just this not nice um, uh, thing about it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, as, as we were reading, that's one of the things that I also, um, you know, saw about the comparison between the evil eye and the, and the good eye. Yeah. yeah. Thank you very much. So no questions, no feedback, no comments. <laughs> as, far, as far as feedback goes, um, first for starters, I'd like to say thank you because um, this this is like taking us back to the foundation of how to really, really study the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time I understood Matthew nineteen twenty four, when mm-hmm. you know the the which is a general old school Bible verse in Nigeria to mean that, to justify poverty. Mm-hmm. And um, um, and then I realized that you needed, you really needed to understand, you know, uh, the Jewish culture, you know, the Jewish geography. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of things about that to understand what the Bible is saying. Because mm-hmm. Christ said in that scripture, you know, uh, it will be easier for a camel to go to the eye of a needle for a rich man to make heaven and mm-hmm. then the day i found out that uh was about the eye of the camel is the physical location the place <laughs> and it's so what yeah. happens there is that the camel has to first kneel down yes they will remove all the load all the baggage on the camel then the camel will crawl under that mm-hmm. gate mm-hmm. so um so it took a new meaning to me i'm like can you imagine that you know, and then on, on another occasion, I understood why Jesus folded his 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 napkin. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I was reading a, a business book, a business book about the Jews, and I realized that when you're offered a meal, mm-hmm. when you're offered a meal, if you are done eating, you will leave your napkin. You know, you leave it unfolded. But if you fold it, the host is not permitted to carry the, you know, it means you're coming back to complete, the, you know, to, to continue what you're eating, right? Mm-hmm. So, and then I understood, oh, Jesus folded his, 
um, um, his garment at the tomb as a significance of, hey, look, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. You know, so it made me realize that, look, I think I've been reading this Bible upside down. You know, (laughs) we need to, you know, and funny thing is, after that realization came, I forgot about it. You know, I forgot to think about it. So this is bringing it back, you know, you know, bringing it back for me, bringing it back to the point of realization that we have to really understand what the Bible is saying. You know, uh, thank you. Thank you for that. And of course, we'll do the exercise. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hi, Esther. Hi. Again. So, yeah, today was really amazing. I think um, Excel and I decided earlier, early that we're going to come for all the sessions because <laughs> we knew that it wasn't going to be the same thing and we wanted to collect everything. So, and I think that today's um, session proved this. The course, more it's not a thing that we said yesterday, and while I won't know the but anyways, no problem. But yeah, I think I've learned a lot, especially the whole control thing. Mm. Like when it comes to the Bible, to studying the Bible, because like I always want to control. Oh, yes, I see where this thing is going, or that mm. sort of thing. But now I think that I'm starting to see the Bible as like um like a physical representation of the holy spirit basically and mm-hmm. like to just like when i to to have the mindset that when i'm studying it i should let it lead me like instead of trying to like lead it and then if mm-hmm. like i'm even thinking of it mm-hmm. it actually knows like more than i do because there are scriptures there that i've not even read or even if I've read that, I've not gotten like mm. the, the essence of that scripture and all. So like me trying to lead it would downplay like the um this thing, the result it is supposed to produce. But when I allow it to lead me instead, I would get like more and all of that. So I think that this is one of my biggest, biggest things like from tonight. And then um, the whole patience thing too and like um, the tread and seeing how like one thing connects to the other I think I, w- I was really frustrated because um, I, I, I like when something is certain like you know this is what we're reading this is what we are acting on and all of that but the revelation scripture just kept taking me back and forth so I think that now, mm-hmm. like with tonight's session, learning to be patient, like um, just going with the wind and being flexible and all of that in studying the Bible. So this is a major tip that I have gotten. And so many more, but yeah, this is the major ones that I'm going to start implementing from tonight. Thank you so much. Amazing. I'm looking forward to your revelations journey. <laughs> yeah. I'll come back. I'll, I'll, I'll. Yeah, I'm coming. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Yeah, I was looking for you, Queen. Queen? Oh, Hi. Yeah, Zari. I, I said the name is Queen Desari. I think that, see, oh. you don't even want to know what I say some people's names as. Some people in the group. Hey, someone said bearded at last. 
That's the crazy thing. Get it at last year's base. So, <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah, Desire. I just wanted to know what this has been like for you. Um, it's been pretty interesting. I think I'm, I'm just new. I'm actually new to the faith, so a lot of it is new i guess um, i'm actually studying john now um learning to take things easy and flesh things out bit by bit instead of just reading through um and i got quite a list of good translations now so i'm definitely looking forward to getting my hands dirty in it i think the biggest thing for me is finding time um which then of course reflects to part of the assignment that we're going to be doing um, because I think one of the things mm. that I believe about reading the Bible is it takes so much time and I don't have that time to give to it so um, it's going to be pretty interesting to reflect that's one of the things that I like mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm really excited about sitting down and actually reflecting on what my relationship with the Bible right now looks like and all that but mm. I really like how you were explaining that bible verse which when i read it i read it in a different way but it's it's good to get you know light um in a different way Mm. completely to what you have read earlier and yeah it's it's been an amazing journey and i look forward to next week where i would learn more and more (laughs) Mm. thank you very much thank you so much um anybody else so that's or Rachel, Rachel can pray for us because she looks like the class captain. So. Okay, so um, it's been very interesting. Um, it just shows that what I've been doing really all this while is just reading the Bible. Because say you want to read this this book and you read Matthew, the first chapter, and then. You feel like you've not done it right, and then you go back to all the popular verses, read it over and over again, read it like two times, three times, and then you pray and you're like, yes, you studied the Bible. But this is like opening my eyes to what actual study is, like trying to really immerse yourself in in the narratives, the spirit behind it, to understand exactly what was trying to be said, both in spirit and in actuality and um it's um it's it's very it's very enlightening mm. thank you your voice is so gentle i have my suspicions but oh well thank you thank you so much for sharing that um anybody else so that Rachel can pray for yes That's what I so i'm really excited i Esther, I'm really happy that I actually committed and I came today. So I learned so much and I'm happy that I learned so much. So Bible Hub is my best friend and I'm going to try to stop rushing myself to like actually achieve so much when I'm studying and just take it bit by bit. It's not a rush and it's not um it's not a competition. So I'm just going to take gradually and digest everything so yeah i'm excited i learned a lot thank you so much thank you very much all right i think that's i think that's a wrap um i guess that's a wrap okay 
Right. Kolo, like, you want to say something? It seems like you're in a business meeting. You're just like, okay. <laughs> For me, yeah, so I felt like I'm sort of late to the party. Mm-hmm. So, like, sometimes it feels like I need to rush to catch up. But this session has helped me to realize that it's never too late and I should take my time and actually sit down and digest everything that the Bible is saying. I know that I have read this much of the Bible. Yeah, so if what you can digest is this little bit, focus on this until you have extracted all you can get from that. Mm. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you very, you very much. much. Okay, Rachel. This face. No, don't change your don't change your face. No, let the world see you. What? Where's that your Yoruba colleague that is always speaking Yoruba whenever you're dialing? There's no Yoruba colleague speaking Yoruba today. Uh-huh. It's on Saturday. It shows up on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, it's great for us. Hi, guys. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for the privilege to gather at your feet. We thank you for the privilege to study. We are grateful that we have access to you. Thank you so much for the grace, the strength that you've given to Esther. We ask, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you will strengthen her and you replenish her with every virtue that has left her. Father, we also pray that in the name of Jesus, that you will give us desires to burn for you. Let us have a, an unending desire, an obsession for you, Lord. Let us be concerned about the things that have, you, have to do with you. Let us thirst after the things that have to do with you. It is in this way, Father, that we can search and search and keep searching until we find you in the pages of the scripture. And so mm-hmm. we ask, Lord, that you become real to us, that the scripture becomes real to us, it becomes tangible, that we experience you in a different way. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Esther. We're sending you. Thank you, Esther. Thank you. Thank you. This will be easier to download, so probably just make it a an audio, send it to, to us so that we can use them. Um, yeah, so see you next week. Bye, good night.